0: Welcome to the 62nd episode of Dialoika, a podcast between two friends about the latest in politics, society, and feminism in Indonesia and the world. I'm Stephanie Tankilisan.
1: I'm Sui Lee, and this is our first episode in 2019. We're back. Woo! Thank you for your patience.
0: Or caring.
1: <laughs> okay. Thank you for waiting for us. We're excited to be back. We both took a break. Well, Stephanie took a work break, whatever that means.
0: A work break <laughs> means I went to Indonesia and reported on Indonesian stories, which will be coming out on Narasiti TV next week, I think. <laughs> uh, that's I had the opportunity to work with Nashua Hub's team and did a small investigative story about the tsunami that happened. And I also got food poisoning, which was why I, got, I could not record last week. So, <laughs> double reasons, y'all.
1: So oh, <laughs> Don't at me. <laughs> we'll keep you updated about Stephanie's uh, piece when it comes out, but uh, we're, we're excited to be back. I took a real break, <laughs> as most normal people do. I'll just uh,
0: get burnt out. It's fine. Yes, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. It's fine.
1: Um, we're going to be talking about the first big ticket item of the year in Indonesian politics, and that's obviously... The first debate between the presidential candidates That happened on 17th of January, just last week There's a lot to unpack, there's a lot to talk about Even though the debate itself was actually quite boring Mm
0: -hmm. So we're going to give you all of our hot takes and then some But we're really excited to talk about this very important debate That will determine the fate of our country
1: Yep, (laughs) which is really terrifying
0: (laughs) So here's to it
1: Kedua pasangan calon presiden dan calon wakil presiden dipersilahkan menempati podium masing-masing.
0: So, so, what's your first hot take?
1: There was a lot of anticipation with this debate, I think, for a lot of certainly uh, millennials and certainly my group of friends, which is, I think, interesting in itself. The last time a presidential debate cycle came around, we were still younger, yeah. right? We were... Are just graduating out of college, so there's a certain sense of like uh are we do we know about the topics yet? Are we going to participate in politics like normal adults mm-hmm. this time it felt like, oh, we really had to watch it, even if we didn't like you know, I have a lot of friends who don't care about politics, who don't really you know know what's going on, but they all talked about it, and they all decided to watch it in their own way mm-hmm. and unfortunately, though, like with so much anticipation from the youth, it was a pretty boring and you know. Very like.
0: Blackluster debate. Yeah,
1: it was so sort of like, this is, you know, most of the things they've talked about are things we've heard about them from their platforms. Uh-huh. There was nothing exciting, nothing new, and it felt very much like a campaign rally rather than any sort of right. substantial debate about these really important topics about, you know, corruption.
0: Corruption, terrorism, and human rights, right? I think one of my major takes is like, the format. Oh my God, what was going on with the like. <laughs> undian the, the lottery to get ABCDE questions like I
1: mean it felt like a game okay. show right
0: <laughs> it felt like it was trying to be a game show but it just killed time and I think momentum oh totally um, the
1: candidates themselves aren't necessarily the most compelling right. people Yeah.
0: Right. so what happened was the moderator Ira Kusno has a fishbowl with like the lottery number for which question <laughs> uh, and then the presidential candidates had to take them out of the bowl and then they would like Oh, it's a, and then they would open the envelope for a, mm-hmm. but like it's just trying hard to like give an air of um fairness, yeah, but in the end doesn't really make sense mm-hmm. anyway uh yeah, that was uh that was exhausting for me to watch and was unnecessary um I would rather just like have the candidates get the question and then like be allowed to actively engage with one another,
1: uh-huh,
0: um. Yeah, that was my major takeaway.
1: At least for for me personally, you know, I I have to be perfectly frank. I didn't watch the first. I didn't watch the presidential debates in twenty fourteen because I wasn't like woke or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really care that much about it, so I I wasn't sure like if the format is a tried and true format that they all stuck with because it's what's been used. Or is this just something they were doing in order to make it more fun, more dramatic? No, this is, this is new. This is new. The, the picking the questions from a fishbowl is new. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: think so. It's really, uh.
1: it's really funny. Actually, I've heard, I was uh, monitoring some Twitter comments after the debate and everybody was just like, this, this felt like a game show. Like this felt like the draw of like the Champions League in soccer. You know, it's like, w- what's going on?
0: Yeah. And I feel like it kind of, um, Infantilize the Indonesian audience just because, like, we don't need this kind of format in order to be engaged. Like, we need content to be engaged. It felt like, <laughs> yes. and it felt like, oh, if you do this format, it means that we believe you that the questions weren't leaked. It, it was just like, um, it just was all around infantilizing to me. That was my uh-huh. hot take on it. Yeah, my second hot take would be, uh, uh it just felt like it was very apparent the lack of chemistry between Jokowi and Maruf Amin versus that of Prabowo and Sandi. Like,
1: oh, yeah. Uh, uh-huh.
0: It didn't feel like Jokowi and Maruf Amin were people who spent a lot of time together discussing issues and enjoyed each other's company and were complementary pairs that really felt to me that they were just stuck together. And then when Maruf did speak, the little that he did,
1: <laughs> the Jokowi little would, would just...
0: Joko would just look down and then be like, questioning my life decisions look. (laughs) Slash like...
1: That meme of just like staring into the distance.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like wishing like uh, Mahmoud M.D. was his choice instead. Uh, But yeah, it was just like very apparent that it didn't seem like they are a pair who would work well together and work as a team together. Whereas I feel like with Prabowo and Sandy, it felt like they... Actually liked each other and were friends and complimented each other because when Prabhu was really tense. That, that, that weird uh, dancing, boxing uh, moment. Like, Sandy ended up like massaging Prabhu's shoulders and be like, relax, relax. But it seemed to me that Sandy might actually be a good counterbalance for Prabowo's, uh more emotionalness. Sandy seemed like to keep his cool really well um, and didn't get provoked. I felt like Sandy was the best performer of this debate, to be honest.
1: That's actually what I felt as well. Um, You know, I I thought out of the bunch, the best speaker was in a way Sandy. Mm -hmm. Maybe because we're so used to Jokowi and, you know, we know that he can sort of like get his thoughts across well. He has a pretty good poker face, right? Mm. He's not somebody that gets phased that easily. But Prabowo is somebody that gets phased that easily. You know, that's nothing new. We all know that he... Has tendencies to be emotional, yeah. And Sandy was a great counterbalance. And
0: it was the the difference between Maruf Amin and Sandy just looks so different exactly, yeah. on that stage, right? Maruf Amin was you know the uh, older gentleman with a few words and uh, more from a older generations. So I don't know how else to say old in a way that is not ageist. And Sandy is like you know new, clean shaven, a new face of Muslim. um, very groomed and polished, and uh, my friends were definitely fans of Sandy and his being a hot daddy. <laughs> uh, right.
1: That, I mean, you know, that's also a nice, con- uh, you yeah, know,
0: a visual contrast, huh? I think for like the millennial Indonesians of like ah. I mean he is what I would want to see as a vice president versus Mad I mean, of And This is like a main contention.
1: For the um, Tanta Tanta and Ibu Ibu also. For the Tanta <laughs> and
0: um, y- younger women. It's uh Sunny is a cross generational uh uh crush, let's just say.
1: He he appeals to everyone who uh, who's looking for some eye candy.
0: Yeah. But he's also smart and substantive. That's the uh, thing, right? Very well educated and accomplished business person. And
1: in a way, you know, he's been the spokesperson for uh, Prabowo and for these issues for a long time, you know, he's he's yeah. seasoned as anybody else in this game. Uh, in this game, and when, when you pit Ma'ruf Amin against somebody like him, it was so mm-hmm. it was like night and day, and the silences just felt so awkward. Right, I can't remember in in twenty fourteen when Prabowo ran, who was his running mate? Do you remember?
0: Was it written? Or Hatta
1: I think it was Hatta right? the white haired guy. Yeah,
0: I think so. Hata. yeah,
1: sorry. Prabowo's running mate was Hatarajasa and I think we can all uh, fairly say that he is not nearly as charming or as interesting oh, no. a running mate as Sandi. I mean, and at that so- time,
0: it also came out that Hatha son had a driving accident, remember, that he escaped oh, right, right. justice from. That was not helpful.
1: But I guess I br- I bring this up because... Sandy feels like a fresh face, yeah, and that's a huge. You know, we cannot underestimate the power of a fresh face in campaign politics, especially presidential politics, in which people are always sort of like tired uh-huh. and want you know quick changes, want something new, want something fresh. So,
0: right, yeah. I mean, like Sandy is definitely a good choice for Prabowo too, right? Just because it's such a different generation. Because Joko is young and Prabowo is. Not Not young as young as Shokoe. Uh and uh Sandy has the economic business background, which I thought was really interesting in the in the presidential debates how um Sandiaga always brought up concrete examples slash stories from the common Uh folk that he brings up and it just felt like he was trying to, he did his homework and talk to the common folk and uh, use their stories and in, in uh-huh. speech, uh, which to some city people, uh, some pundits seemed felt like he was pandering slash just like using those stories. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was actually really effective as a way to show, okay, I might be a Jakarta elite, but I've been to the ground. I've talked to people. Uh, I, you know, sat down and heard people's stories. I thought it was like a relatively smart move on his part and it could work. Um, maybe not for the more skeptical city elites, but I don't know about those in uh, different, more rural areas.
1: I mean, especially since one of the...
0: Because Indonesia is a popular vote country, unlike America. So that's what counts.
1: And also don't underestimate the, the votes of the rural people, right? Like the the people in yeah. the countryside. It's also interesting because, I think it was a savvy move, you're right, because I feel like this time around one of the complaints and grievances lobbied against Jokowi is that his policies are not pro-people enough. Yeah. Especially since I feel like the Prabowo-Sandi ticket, their entire foundation of the argument is that we are super pro-people. Mm-hmm. We are super pro rakyat sure. as opposed to Jokowi's government. So I think Sandy definitely kept on message. Like I feel like he's the campaign manager's dream speaker, candidate. Like this guy will stay on message will hit the marks and will not mess things up. And that cannot always be said about (laughs) trouble. Oh
0: no. Jokowi looked like he's aged dramatically.
1: <laughs> well, well, there's something to be said, right? All the stress. All the... <laughs> the <laughs>
0: <laughs> kaja, 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 kaja. Work, 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 work,
1: work. All the stress. But it's also like Prabowo's running mate is like this young hot guy. And then Jokowi's running mate is this older gentleman. So I feel like the energy levels are just different.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, someone on Twitter called him Yoda. Oh, God. I love Indonesian Twitter. Shout out to Indo Twitter. An Indonesian
1: Twitter is the best.
0: Why do you think he spoke so little? Is it just...
1: I think he's just very green. He's just very inexperienced mm-hmm. in campaigning.
0: So rather than make a mistake, he would just stay silent.
1: Especially since uh, Jokowi is so good at staying on message. Mm-hmm. That I think, you know, he doesn't want to do anything that would compromise what Jokowi is saying. Yeah. And at the same time though, they, they positioned him really well, right? Like all of the other things, he didn't really contribute in. But then when it got into terrorism... When we're talking about religion, mm-hmm. then he's sort of like this is clearly what he's been prepared for. This
0: is my role.
1: Exactly. It
0: is time for I to speak. Mm-hmm. And what did you think of his answer?
1: It felt very on brand. <laughs> it felt, felt very on message.
0: Recap. Recap. What was the message?
1: All right. So uh, for those of you who didn't stay, who missed it, <laughs> you know, watching the the debate until until the end, with when they were talking about terrorism. Uh-huh. Uh, Marv Amin, who is the current chair of MOE, yeah. he said that, and I quote, terrorism is a crime that we need to eradicate to its roots. That's why the MOE issued a fatwa that states that terrorism is not jihad, but haram. So the first thing he says immediately is to implicate and to involve Indonesia's largest and most powerful Islamic organization to denounce terrorism. Mm-hmm. And saying that, you know, his, his role in the organization and his position Gives him the authority to say that, like, oh, we as representatives of Islam in Indonesia do not support terrorism. And we as religious leaders will not tolerate for this. Yeah. And as part of that, he also mentioned about the need to de-radicalize and suppress radicalism using religious methods, right? Like, you know, teaching the right doctrines of Islam. Right. Using religious organizations and gatherings in order to make sure the misguided strands of Islam that is being used for terrorism does not take root, which I thought was mm-hmm. very much why Imran Fahmin was brought into the fold because he could bring in that Muslim uh, religious authority kind of influence.
0: He could, but the point is, has it? Mm-hmm. I mean, there seems to be a ploy that hasn't really worked. Um, point is that like a lot of Muslims are going to listen to what they're personal imam or ulama would say, and a lot of them are still saying Prabowo-Sandi.
1: Yeah. And
0: that's that. It doesn't seem to have mattered that Amin is now on the ticket. That's interesting. It seems. Um, because, like, I mean, Prabowo and Sandi have been the ones on the forefront of Dua 212 for a while now, and you yeah. can't just erase that, right? Like, it seems to be like, oh, these were the people who were there before and Jokowi wasn't so that seems to speak louder than um the fact that Maruf Amin was one of the people who was a key witness against Ahok in his trials and is on that position Ah, uh, yeah Sandy is also from like a very Santri family like a, a long line of um um respected Muslim figures in the community you know they've been in that scene for for Two years or so more now. They've right? built those and relationships. Maruf Amin was just appointed last few months. So he, they, it's different, right? It's like choosing Sarah Palin and then hoping that that counts for the woman's vote. Yeah. That's essentially what I'm
1: saying. <laughs> Which did not work. Yeah. Uh, but create a lot of memes though. So <laughs> this might be the, this might be what happened here. So
0: it might be an equivalent.
1: Chukup, Chukup, chukup. I think, you know, it's interesting because I could tell that, like, when Marv Amin spoke, he spoke with, uh, you know, he spoke with innocence, in a way, in terms of, like, uh, a campaigner. Mm. And he also, he was very neutral in his voice, right? He was very sort of, like, these are not extreme ideas. These are very simple, very uh, straightforward ideas. Yeah. While on the other side, when Prabowo spoke about what his platform would do against terrorism, he was he was tapping into emotional uh, arguments right right saying that like people who are who stray to the world of terrorism do so because they're going through despair and economic inequality and they feel hurt by what's going on in terms of the government policies like he taps into those very core emotional sentiments that is honestly what compels a lot of people to decide on things yeah. it, it, it felt strange because you're like if the goal is to get somebody respected in the Muslim community in order to speak to your particular platform, it's interesting that Prabowo and Sandi has succeeded more, in my opinion, than somebody like Amin.
0: The way Amin chose it, uh, chose to say his platform, I think sounds good to a more international, more moderate platform. And maybe some elites. It does kind of sound like it's othering those who chose to do that. Yeah. Whereas Sandy and Prabowo's message was like, "Oh, it's the economic conditions. Like, you know, you can't really blame them being seduced by the force. You know. Yeah. And we need to make life better, so they don't feel ostracized. And to
1: be fair, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, right? Like they're yeah, they're addressing both for sure. They're addressing important concerns on all sides of the terrorism question. Yeah. One of the things I also want to point out out of the debate is that all, almost like all the technical comments are given to Sandy because he can deliver them well. And then the more emotional, like, you're not doing this right kind of comments is given to Prabowo and sometimes it backfires. Yeah. What else did Prabowo talk about, Steph?
0: Women and how progressive he is as the party <laughs> that has the most women candidates uh, on their ballots.
1: Mm if you gauge his other responses about women, you don't think he's that progressive.
0: What was the other comments?
1: Um, so one of the comments he mentioned about the kind of people that should work in politics,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he mentioned to Jokowi that, this is what he's saying, right? I'm paraphrasing what he said. The public does not want you to appoint women ministers just because they're women. Mm-hmm. They should be women who are smart and pro-people, not just women who produce policies that bring harm to the people. That's what he thinks. He thinks that, a lot of the women ministers that are in Jokowi's cabinet right now are not pro-people enough. So he says, like, I will not just choose women just because they're women. You know, they have to be good. Mm-hmm. And then he he passed the um, the time limit of his section, and so somebody had to cut him off. It was just so yeah. badly worded. Like, you could tell what he's going for, but Which, it was...
0: like, you would agree with. Like, yeah. yeah, you shouldn't disappoint women because of women, but the way it was said seemed uh, questionable.
1: This is really fascinating, right? Like, we're talking about these things after the debate. But I remember, as you said earlier, during the debate itself, we weren't, I certainly wasn't really thinking about, right. oh, these these statements about these programs are not right, they're misleading, whatever. But I was sort of like, oh, there's a lot of weird drama right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, awkward tensions, body language. So I was doing my thing of, like, watching the debate and also reading things on Twitter just to see what other, you know, what people in Indonesia, the Nazis in Indonesia were thinking, and they were saying the same thing, you know. They were much more interested in the drama rather than the programs, the policies, sort of like the facts being said itself. And I think that that says a lot about the debate, right? Yeah. It, It doesn't really reveal anything new about how these candidates view these topics. So... There's going to be four more debates. I I hope they improve in quality. And, you know, I I don't necessarily want dramas for drama's sake, you know. I want actual quality debates. I don't know. Do you think think we'll get there?
0: I think we will. I think you have to allow the... I think there's this tension in Indonesian politics between, like, civility and Mm -hmm. trying to score points. Like, whenever they try to do jabs with each other... They're polite about it. Sometimes it gets uncomfortable. Yeah, they're polite about it. It's like they are not like outright conflicting which is like an Indonesian polite thing
1: yeah the javanese but it's thing. definitely
0: possible like um i just we just need to have a format that allows the back and forth to go quickly like the moderator needs to like guide the discussion instead of dictating where the discussion goes yeah and and or force them to like oh like you're not really answering the question or statement cuz that's generally what happened i felt like you know like they were saying their platitude, their campaign platforms, and they're not actively engaging with one another most of the time. And the I think the role of the moderator should like be like, Oh, like how does this what you said, you know, interact with what they said and
1: the moderators didn't push them enough. Yeah. Which begs the question then when we go into the, the next round of debates, especially the rounds of debates when it's just Joko and Prabowo, and then when it's just Marfamin and ha <laughs> ha!
0: I see that just Maruf Amin and Sandy you
1: know? I know that will be so fascinating, right? Like Joko and Prabowo, fine, whatever. We know it was fine, up. fine,
0: whatever. <laughs> We've seen this happen.
1: Like, <laughs> but Maruf and Sandy, oh boy, that's gonna be,
0: uh-huh.
1: um, you know, we could easily poke fun at Maruf Amin, right, in terms of like how he performed, how inexperienced he was, and but at the same time, I do hope that by the time it gets to Maruf and Sandy, that Maruf Amin will be much more eloquent will be able to back up his arguments better, speak a little bit longer, you know, and really dig into sort of like the intricacies of some of these issues because I don't, you know, will, he'll always have to tag off that person that the Jokowi faction got to appease the Muslim base. If he really ever wants to rise above that, then he needs to bring up his A-game, right? Oh, and for sure. And I do think for the better of political debate, for the better of our democracy, he should step it up. Whether or not he will is a, is a different question, but I do hope that he will because it'll be it'll be fascinating honestly if he does step it up and then go head to head against Sandy and see how that goes So, uh it'll be remiss if we don't mention what's happening today as this as this episode is going out. The former vice Governor of Jakarta, Basuki Chai Purnama, better known as aho, is finally going to be released from prison after almost two years of his sentence for blasphemy charges. Mm-hmm.
0: He's out on good behavior
1: mm-hmm. how do you what's what's sort of like the feeling on the ground in Indonesia do you think about his release?
0: I think it's uh, it's being overshadowed by all the presidential stuff right now.
1: Uh-huh. I
0: think it's a good time for him to be released while, True. Uh, before things happen, and I feel like he's really keeping his head pretty down.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, for the most part, the only news we heard is that he wants to be called Betepe now, Basuki Chaya instead of Ahok. He's I think he's like distancing himself away from his Chinese and Indonesian identity and mm-hmm. keep his head really low for the next year or so. Yeah, it's my prediction.
1: He wrote a long, a long letter that was published by his team on Instagram saying, like, you know, he's gone through uh, a transformative period during his time in prison. and he's going to come out a changed man. Mm-hmm. And I think th- the name change is a very literal way of showing that. Yeah. Especially since, you know, it's very hard, obviously, to separate the Chinese-Indonesian aspect of of Aho, but I do think that name has become tainted. Yeah. Certainly some of it is own doing, but it's also by other people, and it's just no longer, frankly, no longer useful, right? To, like, why do you want to associate yourself with that name if it's only going to tie you down to all of this baggage?
0: Right. I mean... uh it's kind of sad for a lot of Chinese Indonesians that he feel let you think that it makes sense, but it feels like he is forced to do this. And it's like, Mm um, I think it's reminiscent of, you know, what in the sixties when Indonesians were forced to change our actual Chinese names to Indonesian sounding ones. Um, -hmm. uh, it's that again. And it's like always the question of how assimilated can you get? And it's like never enough is basically the answer. Um,
1: yeah. So, you know, uh Aha's going to be released. I don't think there's gonna be much fanfare about it. He he's telling everybody who's supporting him to not show up at the prison, you know, keep it keep it low, keep it quiet, which I think what is what he wants.
0: And for his sake, I think that's what people should do.
1: Yeah. He doesn't need any more attention after so many years of attention. Uh, I, I read somewhere that, you know, he's accepted speaking gigs outside of the country. Oh really? And he's going to show up, um, giving seminars and stuff like that about certain topics. Um, he could be going to places in the West as well as well as in Asia. So I think that's interesting that he wants to sort of like
0: go out, out literally
1: be outside of the country.
0: Fair, fair, fair,
1: fair. <laughs> and it's fascinating, right? Because I remember uh, probably like a year ago, people were saying like, "Oh, when is gonna, you know, when Aha comes out, he's gonna be supporting this party, or he's gonna go." straightened in back into politics, will he be appointed by Jokowi? As oh, no fans? way. It's like, no way. No. no way. For the sake of everyone involved, he really should, in my opinion, take a step back. Yeah. He's still a talented figure, you know. You cannot discredit what he's done.
0: I mean, we just need to... I think he'll just wait for the right time and see when that would be. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's also a matter of, like... um We need to see who actually also wins the election and then what is the atmosphere of the country after that because I feel like everything is pending until that time comes.
1: Until after April. Yeah,
0: because. Who knows? Who knows? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find more information and resources of whatever we talked about on our website, delica.id.
1: Music credits to John Dealey, Lee, Lee Rosevere, and of course, Broke for Free.
0: If you like what you hear and want to support us, please review our podcast on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. And please share our podcast with your friends. It's the best way to spread the word about Dialogica.
1: If you want to get more involved, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is dialogicapodcast at gmail.com or just shoot us a message on our Facebook page.
0: You can also find us on Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and our Twitter. Please follow us in these various platforms. Our Twitter handle is at dialogicapod. Also, follow me on Twitter. It's Tank Steph at s-t-e-p-h-t-a-n-g-k.
1: Thank you again and see you guys next time.
0: Bye!